Have you enjoyed the Power Up series on the Holy Ghost? Have you enjoyed what we've been talking about? We're getting off to a little rough start today, but that's okay. Usually I'm a little more smooth than this. But uh, I want to I just kind of touch on, we talked about the Holy Spirit. We talked about who He is. He's your advantage, right? Jesus said it's needful that I go away. It's, it's a necessary thing that I leave so you can have an advantage in this world. That advantage is the Holy Spirit. We also talked about uh, his function, why he was here. Uh, people, when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, especially those of us who were raised up in Pentecost, people, are they run to tongues. Well, that is an evidence of who he is, but the greater evidence of who he is in you is that you show yourself like Jesus. And I, I know a whole lot of tongue talkers, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Pentecostal guy, so don't get mad at me for my heritage. But I know a whole lot of tongue talkers that don't show Jesus. So that is not the end all and say all of the Holy Spirit. However, there, there, there is a function to that. We talked about that last week. But today, we're going to talk about another step past that. One of the greatest things in part six, and this may be our final message in the series, um, but I got to get this last little bit out. And we'll see where it goes. But you have to understand a few things about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here to amplify you and help you in your faith. Amen. But he's also here to talk to you when you've screwed up so bad that you've got to have grace to make through. Uh, we, we, we live in this world where we think if we screw up once, it's over with. And that is not how this thing works. That's not how God designed this thing. The truth is, if that was the case, Jesus would have to die a lot. And he's only had to die once for you. And if Jesus died for you, it's not going to hurt you to live for him. Amen? I mean, people make out like it's a horrible thing to go to church. You you doing other things on Sunday morning. Okay, y'all are mad about that. Let me just get right back over here. Somebody's like, man, I'm hungry. That's what they're thinking. Listen, grace says, now, grace says this. Grace says We don't have to be involved. Grace says we don't have to give. Grace says we don't have to pray. Grace says we don't have to love. And the truth is you don't. You don't. But sonship says you get to do all those things. You don't have to do nothing. You can accept Jesus as your Savior and never darken the door of a church another day in your life. And as long as you believe in him as your Savior, you're going to heaven. But you're going to live in hell on this earth because you're not cracked the book. You not got the manual. You know that you, you that person with the VCR that can't program it. You got everything you need, but you won't you, you won't get in there. You'll YouTube it. You can't YouTube Jesus. Well, I mean you can, but that ain't him. I, 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 I'm, I'm sitting here today and I want you to understand one of the greatest, one of the greatest manifestations of the Spirit of God, especially being full of Him, is faithfulness. If you're faithful. You're listening to God. If you're faithful, you're listening to the Holy Spirit. And I'm not just talking about church attendance. We got to get past that. There's a whole lot more to faithfulness than, than numbers in a roll. There's something to be said about being willing to go to Him every day. There's something, if April and I have been married, April and I have been married over 20 years. And good, bad, or ugly, we have conversations every day. Some of those are loving and kind, others are not. <laughs> Some are aggressive, some are not. But the truth is, if we don't communicate every day, there's really no relationship. Now, we have a, we have a contract. Now, listen, let me just go ahead and clarify this. Because I saw those eyebrows go up. It ain't that kind of contract. <laughs> I'm talking about a contract with a law that says you're married and everything... Everything I have is hers, and everything she has is hers. That's the contract. 
Every man in the house just went, Lord. It's true. It's true. You know why it's true? Because they're smarter than us. Y'all should have shouted way bigger than that. You know why they're smarter than us? Because, because they can think like 17,000 things at one time and we can't. Because like, there ain't nobody can text faster than a mad woman. <laughs> I'm telling you, I get something and I haven't even finished this book she wrote me before I'm getting something else. And, and, and usually I'm wrong. <laughs> but the relationship says... Now, she'll tell you that. She'll tell you. I'll send her a text back that goes, you realize I'm not reading this. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Because I'm, I'm the type of person that I feel like if you got something to say to me, call me. And here's why, especially young people, listen to me. If you're, if you're 30 and under, listen to what I'm saying. There is no proper communication by electronics. You cannot be intimate through electronics. You cannot do it. The enemy has used this to stop you from building relationships properly. That's why people can trade in wives like they're trading in cars. Y'all think that's a joke. I know a guy that's married four times said, by, well, by the third one, is like swapping a car. That's, that was his quote. Because there's no intimacy. There's nothing there. It's just another contract. But when you got the Holy Spirit involved, it's more than that. It's a relationship. It's who he is. It's a personality. I've got all these personalities in my house. I've got all these personalities in this church. Y'all got some personalities too, by the way. i got all these personalities in my life. And every single one of you, I have to navigate differently. How I would talk with Tyler is different than how I would talk with David. And how I would talk with David is different than how I would talk to Paige. Paige is my daughter. How I would talk to that daughter is different than how I talk to another daughter because they all going to cry at different things. I just can't navigate which one's going to cry today. Help me, Lord. I'm just meddling now, Caleb. I don't know what to do. Listen, faithfulness is one of those things that makes you realize some things. Well, Pastor, you gave us no scripture yet. We're going to get there. Faithfulness is one of those things that makes you realize that it's your responsibility to guard your heart, not anybody else's. When you understand, listen, now let me just tell y'all something. I'm going to say some things here in the next couple seconds, and I don't want you to get offended because <clears throat> I don't have a problem with multi-mega churches. I don't. I don't have a problem with big churches. I don't have a problem with small churches. I've been offered jobs in big churches. I've been courted by big churches, I've been, all that stuff. But here's the thing. When we're living in a day and time that we're willing to swap discipleship through the Holy Spirit, for fellowship with a group, we're missing God. Because there is no way to be faithful to the Holy Spirit when you're living your life through other people. I am not saying you shouldn't have fellowship with other people. What I'm saying is the people that you're having fellowship with should see the Holy Spirit in you. They should see that. They should see something in you. They, 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 they should see you and understand that you're different. Because you are whether you like it or not. You're different. The Bible says you're peculiar. The Bible says that he's made you to be different than the world. He didn't take you out of it, but you're there to change it. You're not there to take sides. You're there to take over. You're there to be the authority in the room. That's what the Holy Spirit does for you. Go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to start at verse 1. Juan's going to have the King James on the screen. I'm going to read the English Standard Version. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Are y'all okay this morning? Everybody okay? This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ. Say servant. Servants of Christ and stewards 
of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of the stewards that they may be found faithful. You ever run into those people that talk about all the things of God, but you never see any fruit in their life? It's because they're not faithful. Now, I'm not saying they're not faithful to church attendance and all that, but what they are is they're faithful to what man has created. They're faithful. Listen, I'm, I, got, I got people in this room. Uh, these two guys right here are wonderful. If I say I need something to drink, one of them's gone because they're faithful to help me. But they could be faithful to help me all day long and not be faithful to God. So what he's saying is you're doing all the right things, but I need you to come closer so I can talk to you. Not so you can just be a religious prude because God got plenty of them. He don't need no more. But what he needs is to give you mysteries. He needs to give you revelational knowledge. He needs to give you things that you can see that nobody else has seen yet so you can begin to move into a place. You're supposed to be walking in Walmart and discerning who you can go minister to, who you can meet in a parking lot and watch their life change. We've got somebody in our life, and, and it's not something I share often. We've got somebody in our life that, that is, uh, well, it's been, been a while since we've done this, but years ago we would walk through Walmart and we would see them and the Lord would speak to us and say, just, just bless them. And we didn't have a lot of money. And we took what we had. And uh, sometimes it hurt. <laughs> sometimes it was coming out of grocery money. And we would go, and April, it was most of the time with April, and she would sew that into them. And come to find out whatever they needed, it was a few bucks more than exactly what they needed at that time. Well, we would do that from time to time. Now, this person didn't know Jesus. Talked like they knew Jesus, but didn't really know Jesus. They talked to talk. But then all of a sudden, one day, they came and they had a very intimate conversation with us about where they were in life. And it wasn't the fact that we were faithful in giving them seed and money. It was the fact that we were faithful in loving them. And it opened up a door that we could begin to minister to them. And it opened up their eyes to the fact that, that this thing is real. There are people that do care. But more than that, there's a Savior that cares. More than the Savior that cares, he's opened up the Word. The Word will give you mysteries. And now they're, they're living in a blessed life. They're, you know, they were in a bad relationship. That has broken up. They're, they're living in a place where when you see them now, you don't see that person that's hunched over and broken, but you see joy. Now, is that because of us? No, it's because of him. It's because we were literally willing to say whatever you need from us today is what we'll do. Now, we don't win that battle every day because I hate Walmart. And, <laughs> and most of the time pulling up in Walmart, I get a horrible, horrible attitude. <sighs> I got my help today, it seems like. Y'all amen and in the wrong spots. What's wrong with y'all? <laughs> Raising the house. Um, but what happens is when you begin to think that you know everything about everything, you've ruined your ability to be faithful in anything. Because what you've done is you've moved the wisest voice out of your life. Now, the King James says it very forceful. Moreover, it's required. Y'all, let me just tell you something. The only thing that's required is salvation. That's the only thing. For you to go to heaven, you have to accept Jesus Christ. Sin does not send you to hell. The rejection of Jesus Christ sends you to hell. We need to get that straight and quit lying in the church. But here's what you got to understand. Just because you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you can be a believer and not a follower. 
And God has called you to follow closely. God has called you to hear. God has called you to be a steward. And the Holy Spirit is here for you to open that up and be able to talk to him. The key is knowing how to daily encourage yourself. Now listen, you have to understand something. David was in a situation, King David, when he got back from a battle, all of his money, all of his wives, he had a bunch of them, all of his kids, all of his mighty men, their families, somebody had invaded. While they were off doing something good, they came home to nothing because another kingdom had come in and taken everything from them. Now, you've got to understand, these men followed David and swore their lives to a king and said, I'll die for you. And those men wanted to kill David because they thought it was David's fault. Now, David's in a cave somewhere. He's the king of all, and he's, in, he's chosen by God. And he's in a cave, and he can't handle it, and everybody's gone, and what do I do? And the Bible says that David encouraged himself. I love all of you, but everybody look right here. You waiting on somebody to validate you, and that's between you and God. Every false relationship in your life is because you're listening to somebody else to speak into you when God's trying to talk to you all day long. You're wanting something to make you feel better. You're wanting something to make you feel stronger. You're wanting something to make you feel blessed when the blessor, the creator of the blessing, it wants your ear. The creator of the universe just wants to tell you he loves you. And we don't have time for him. Because everything else is more important. People will come to me and say, Pastor, I'm, I'm believing God for... A truck, I'm believing God for a job, I'm believing God for a business, I'm believing God for a boat, I'm believing God for this, I'm believing God for that, I'm believing, and that's okay. I mean, there's things I'm believing God for in my life, and that's okay. That's, that's okay. But what I've seen predominantly over 24 years of ministry is this. The very thing that they're believing God for becomes the very thing that keeps them from here. People can't come to church because they wax in their boat. People say, believe with me for this job. And then all of a sudden they work at 175,000 hours a week and, and the job's more important than the relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, God, I, I, Pastor, I need more money in my life. And then the money becomes their king. This is my favorite. This is my favorite. My favorite is this. Pastor, I need somebody in my life. You have crazy now. And you want somebody else to come in here and make you more crazy. You ain't even got you right. Let me, let me tell y'all something. Nobody can complete you. Y'all don't be listening to Jerry Maguire. He's crazy. That's a movie reference. All you young people are like, what in the world? <laughs> you have to be completed in Christ. My greatest day in life was not when we started this church. I love all of my kids. And, and in a human sense, all those days that my children were born were greatest days in my life. But the ultimate greatest day in my life was when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Because I became whole when I was very, very broken. You didn't know I was broken because I, I, see, most people put up such a good front. Well, Pastor, you said you was talking about the Holy Spirit today. I am. Because it was becoming saved that opened up the door for me to take the advantage. See, I don't worry about money anymore. I don't. My wife will tell you I don't worry about nothing. I really don't. Because I understand if I worry, I'm taking things out of God's hands. I've put things in his hands I want. Now, we can say God's in control all day long, but you have to give him control of a situation. You have to put it over into his hands. And you do that by being faithful. Let me tell you something. If I'm faithful to him with what he's asked me to do, and then, now, 
Now, let me tell you, when I was early in my walk with Christ and I was a young preacher, I used to say this, and it would freak her out. She was like, okay, I need to ride home in a different car because God's going to get you. But I'm going to say this, and I mean this with all of my heart. Now, now, y'all mark it down and put it on the tape and said, I said this because I said it. If I'm faithful to the Lord and I do everything he asked me to do and he fails me, I'm going to write a book about it and call him a liar and make a million dollars. Everybody just got tight. I'll do it in a minute, but you know what? I'll never write the book because I can't outgive him. I've tried. I can't outpray him. I can't outworship him. I can't. I've tried. I've tried to go to this place. See, people look at me and they know who I'm connected with and they know the things in my life. Oh, you were the faith guy. You just want money. I don't, I give a rip about your green paper. I've got the king in me. He got way more than you can give me. I got things that show up in my life money can't pay for. I got 10 kids. They told me we couldn't have any. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fertility. We already talked about all that. Let me tell you something. I'm watching my life come full circle, and I'm watching God put things together in my life that people said would never come back together. I got to, I, I'm standing here knowing that I'm watching God put together pieces of my heart that were broken, and there's not even a scar. Because I refuse to let old things infect new things. And we're living our life, and we're trying to, well, let's just go to church and fix it. Yeah, that's fine. That's a good start. But you got to start letting your heart mend, and you got to start realizing that what is old, listen, what Willie did to you can't come into what George is doing. I'm just telling you, y'all can be holy all you want to, but the truth is, is you're going to have to stop bringing that stuff in because God didn't do it. Amen. You want us to take our time and help you fix it. What you bringing in? Ooh, everybody just went. Listen. Because, you know, everybody knows we're perfect. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Let me tell you something. This lady right here, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't even be in ministry anymore. Because what y'all don't know, see, because y'all don't see a lot of things that goes on behind the scenes. You know how if you go to a restaurant, you love that restaurant until you go in the kitchen? I can't tell y'all how many times she's caught me coming out that door fixing to come out here and fix one of y'all, praise the Lord. <laughs> I thought it was Jesus, but it wasn't. <laughs> because she was following the Holy Spirit. Because she sees everybody through the eyes of love. And at that season in my life, I was broken. I had lost some people important to me. I didn't know what to do. And I thought, if this is all ministry is, I'm done. And I figure if I'm going to preach, bless God, they're going to act right. And I was going to just deal with it. And it was more than once. But because I was willing to take a step back and realize she's been faithful in her prayer. She's been faithful in her focus. She knows against my better pride, she knew what was better at that moment. See, because we want to act like we know stuff. And the truth is, the Bible says that the Bible talks very clearly about those who think they know things are basically a fool in his sight. You've got to be willing to put everything you think on the line to get one word from him and go with it. It makes no sense. Listen, it, it, I still get this phone call. It makes no sense to people in the natural that I would walk away from the music business. Me and my son had this conversation last night. It makes no sense that I would walk away from the music industry right before the record deal. It makes no human sense. Oh, Pastor Al, what about the money? You're going on tour with them, blah, blah, blah. X, name, 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 blah, blah, blah. You'd have this, you'd have that. You know what I'd have? I'd have heroin in my veins and I'd be a dead man right now. That's what I'd have. 
So I'm thankful that what I was faithful to was broken off of me, and I became faithful to something that was bigger and better than I was. Now listen, God wants to give you mysteries. He wants to teach you things. He wants, to, wants you to understand some things. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's start at verse 6. I'm, I'm reading the English Standard. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians verse 4, verse 6. For God... Who said, let light shine out of the darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge and the glory of God in the, fact, in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. He's trying to put something in you. To show that surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Verse 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, not perplexed, not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Now, skip down to verse 17, and it says this. <clears throat> for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight. Now, look. The misinterpretation of this scripture is that the weight is in heaven. It's now. The Holy Spirit is here to strengthen you, to carry an anointing and a grace and a glory that a human vessel couldn't carry without him. There have been, I've been in services, and I'm just going to tell you all that, and I'll use me as an example because it's the easiest thing. <clears throat> I went through one of the, not too long ago one of the roughest seasons of my life, just broken. I'd lost Mac, Mac Gober, my spiritual dad. I'd lost people. I was broken. I, I was in tears every day. I couldn't, I just couldn't, I didn't understand and we went to a service. We were at Pastor Tracy's service in Texarkana. And listen, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fan. I'm an absolute fan of slobber knocker services. I love them. I just don't believe that they're designed for every Sunday. If all you're doing is shouting every Sunday, you're just watching football games. You're not learning anything. Uh, I'm a teacher. That's what I'm called to do. So I know what my grace is. But I, I'm, I believe in the heaviness. I believe in the glory. And we were in a service and I was broken. It was in this same season that I would come out of the door wanting to fix people. And we were sitting in Texarkana, <clears throat> and the stage, this, everything's set up a lot like this church. And we're sitting over here right in front of where Pilar's at. We're sitting right there. And Mark Brzee was teaching that day. You remember this? He took the stage, and he went, let's wait. Only two words he said. For how long? Like three or four hours. Dead silent. But nobody could move. Nobody could move. See, there was a weightiness to, see, we're anointing addicted. The church wants the anointing. They want the feel good. They want the shout. They want the run. They want, but the same people that are up here laying and, and shaking are cussing you out for a parking space at Walmart. Because they're anointing addicted, they're not changing. But when the glory comes in, see, the anointing, the anointing is for expression. The glory is to change you. And when the glory sets in, something happens. And we sat there for four hours. Nobody was complaining about lunch. Not a baby cried. Four hours. And then this happened. Pastor Tracy took the stage very quietly, walked and laid hands on a few people, came to me. Came to right where I was, and he just touched me. Just, just it wasn't emphatic. Those of you who know Tracy Harris, you know usually he's pretty, he's out there. But it was very gentle. 
And when he laid his hand on my chest, I fell into the floor. And April was kind of making fun of me at lunch because I, I kept trying to get up because, you know, I ain't going to give you no courtesy drop. I ain't that Pentecostal. I ain't going to fake for your show. It's not going to happen. But I hit the floor. And you ever had uh, your, your, you ever had your pawpaw twist your arm and, and, hold, and make the, 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 the feeling go out of your hand and act like he's pulling the string out of your hand? Y'all you know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, I felt that on my back, like a million of those things. And I got up, and I felt like I could float. And God spoke to me, and he said, I just snatched out every soul tie you have for the past. If your ministry fails now, it's your fault. And I've been a little kinder, a little gentler <laughs> since that moment. Have I failed? Yeah, I have. But that is what we need. We don't just need, we just don't need another service that's just church. We need a relationship with the advantage that can pull all that stuff out of us and make us see what's real. See, there's a lot of stuff in church that ain't real. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors in church. I've been in this thing, listen, I've seen this thing go from tight to loose and back. I've seen, it, I've seen it go from super religious to super graceful and back to the middle. I've seen all of it. But what has never changed is the fact that he hungers for you more than you hunger for him. You just got to make the step first. Anybody will tell you that, man, I did this and I said this and all of a sudden God got involved. But there was a step that somebody had to make first. Now listen, I want to I read something else to you real quick. <clears throat> Proverbs 4 and 23. You know this scripture so you don't have to turn there. But keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. A discouraged heart is a barrier to your destiny. A grateful heart cannot be poisoned. If you're grateful about what God's doing in your life, you can't be poisoned against God. People may drive you crazy, but you can't turn your back on God. Jesus was in the boat with his disciples, and he was asleep on a pillow, and a storm came up. And the very first thing they said was, Jesus, don't you even care which is what the enemy uses against every single one of you and me every day. He don't care. Look what you're going through. And you do this too. Don't, don't act holy. You know you do it. Something goes crazy in your life. The first thing that hits your flesh is, Lord, I'm praying, I'm giving, I'm doing this. What's wrong? But if you can get past that and move over into a grateful heart, we, I, I tell the Becoming Center guys and I tell everybody in my life, you're never really praying until you stop praying about you. When you move past you, usually the person you're praying about and complaining about, if you do it right, eventually you're going to be over there crying, praying for their deliverance. You're going to stop telling God about how demonic they are, and, you're going to, and God's going to start talking to you about where were you at. See, there's this little thing called accountability with God. He's given you things to use. He wants you to use them. He's given, people say, well, why hadn't God blessed me? Why hadn't God done this? Why? Have you followed the last instruction he gave you? People want things from God, but they don't want God. We're living in a day and time. Are y'all okay? We're living in a day and time where people want the blessings and the trappings of God. I'm, I'm working on a book right now. I'm working on a book right now. And, and actually, I just, I just write a little bit of it at a time. And I've been writing this book for a long time. But it talks about 
the church, especially what I came from in spiritual uh, in spiritual moves of this, you know, Pentecostal settings, and I, the, the title of the book, and I may change it, but it's called Spiritual Adultery, because we want all the fun of church, but we don't want one ounce of commitment, not one ounce. We want God to bless us, and we want to lay in the floor and be free, and we want somebody to pray for us, and we want everything, but we don't want to do what it takes. Y'all, if I walked up to this woman in the mall and said, I want 10 kids, and she don't know me, but I just want <laughs> 10, not just one, I want 10 kids. How y'all think she's going? How would y'all act? Somebody'd be like, shh, because oh, they'd be like, hey, there's a creeper in the mall, you know, that kind of thing. But listen, this is if I've learned anything, it's this. God does everything. Listen to me. God does everything in life through intimacy and discipleship, not fellowship. Fellowship is for you. Intimacy and discipleship is for him because he wants to be able to move through you. He wants to be able to fix. All my kids, we have to discipline all of our children differently. They all have 10 different personalities. But the reason we discipline them is not just because we like spanking or fussing or getting onto or taking Xboxes or whatever it is we have to do. The reason we do that is because we love them and care about them. April, anytime we're doing any kind of pastoral care, April goes, she'll always say this. She'll always say, you know, what if, what if my, my Jordan, Jordan's my youngest, what if Jordan was out in the highway and there was a semi coming? Would I just sit there and go, oh, Lord, bless him, Jesus? Or would I run out there and get my kid out of the road? Y'all got to understand, God's running out trying to get you out of the road. He's coming after you the best he can. But you got to get out of this mindset that God's in control. He's waiting on you to say, come get me. Help me. Fix me. You take, listen, I know this about my father. And the Holy Spirit is my best friend. When I take one step to him, he rushes into my situation. But he can't fix it until you let him. Because all control, Satan took it. Jesus took it back and gave it to you. And you sitting right over here with the keys to the kingdom talking about you broke. I'm broken hearted. Nobody loves me. Somebody died for you, but nobody loves you. Oh, you know, nobody does anything for me. You got a handbook right here that teaches you how to walk in unfettered blessing. Well, it's not about money. It's back to money, preacher. Y'all, let me just tell y'all something about money. Money is something we need. God don't need it. Does it take money to run the church? Yeah, it does. You ever heard me beat you up for it? No. You know why? Because y'all ain't my source. Y'all can't write a a check big enough for me to do what I want to do. This vision, the vision in my heart is so big, they could give me a billion tomorrow and be gone by Friday. You know why? Because I want to put becoming centers for men and women in every state and every county and every. I want people to walk in and know that people love them everywhere they go. I, I, I want them to know that, that this thing that they've been told about Jesus all these years is wrong, that he cares. He's not a mean Jesus waiting on you to be perfect so you can have something. He loves you where you are. And if you'll understand he loves you where you are, you ain't going to stay there long. People want to stay where they are. You want to stay in your mess. People want to stay in their junk and blame Jesus for it when he's holding out a hand trying to get you out of it. But you got to let him work on you. And y'all, can I just be dead level honest? We don't preach this way no more. We tell you you're all champions. 
You're like a bunch of Alabama fans saying, look at what we did. Y'all ain't done nothing. Y'all ain't on that field. Yeah, my team lost yesterday. I'm mad. I told y'all four weeks ago your quarterback will let you down. I prophesied it. What we've done is we've dumbed down the gospel. It is the good news. But it's the good news. Listen, let me tell you something. I believe in sweatless victory. I do. We walked in this building sweatless. I believe in all that. I, I, I believe. But then once we got here, there was effort. So, yeah, there is effort in your relationship with Christ. But I guarantee you, your effort pales in comparison to what he went through on the cross for you. And then he had to leave you again. You got to understand something. I'm a parent, so I look at this a little differently. I don't want to leave any of my kids, ever. Now, I wish they'd, you know, pay some bills. But they ain't got to leave. And they do. But here's the thing. Jesus left us through death, then left us through life. And he had to go sit at the right hand. If I ever had to leave her as my daughter, if I ever had to leave her, my entire goal would be able to make sure that whatever I left her with was better than what dad could give her. That's what Jesus gave you with the Holy Spirit. He said, it is to your advantage that I go. Because everything I want to get to you, I can only minister to one of you at a time, but the Holy Spirit can cover the whole earth. Because what he wants is to be able to breathe life into you. Keep your heart with all diligence. 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 That means focus. That means knowing that you have to be that person that won't let anybody get in there and hurt you. Now listen, I'm not talking about building up a wall because all you do is build yourself a jail cell. I'm talking about being diligent to know Okay, this person's toxic, out you go, over the wall with you. You know, that kind of stuff. You gone. You cannot hurt me if I don't let you. And it is not anyone else's responsibility to keep you from getting hurt. But church hurts people. So does Walmart. You go back. KFC messed up your order. You go back, and you give them your money. I know if you go to McDonald's, they're messing something up. I know that. My God, chicken nugget clucking at you. I mean, just <laughs> crazy. But you're going to go back and say, we're going to try it again. But you let one Christian ruffle your feathers. And I'm done with that church stuff. You ain't never tried church stuff. No, you've tried an assembly you ain't tried Jesus. People say, I'm going to try this Holy Ghost. No, 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 no. You don't try. You either in or you out. Because what he wants is to be your advantage, speak to you, to lead you and guide you into all truth, be a light unto your path, and take you to a place where you're not just saved, but you're a king's kid. You have to be a champion by actually doing something. I play basketball. I know, look at my, you know, y'all, y'all, I look like the basketball now, but I played basketball when I was a kid. And we won state championship at Friendship Baptist Church when I was a little kid. The only time I went to church was to play basketball, and it was a Baptist church, so they thought I was crazy then, too. We won state championship, 
and I played probably two quarters out of a game. We all, it, wasn't, it wasn't like upward now. You know, upward, they don't keep scoring. Everybody gets to play. It wasn't like that. You had to play. You had to show up for practice. You have to run suicide. You have to run. You have to do it. We all won that. We all got trophies. We all did it. We all had a part. And in that day and time when I was a kid, if you just showed up at the games and watched them, you didn't get a trophy. But that's how the church thinks today. The church thinks in the mindset, well, you know, I'm doing a little bit of something. I'm a champion. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. That word violence means diligence, focus, pushing past the persecution. Let me tell you something. You're going to start getting over into the blessing of God. People are going to start talking about you. You're going to get over into something and you're going to start making a stand for your life and your closest friend will walk away from you. But ain't none of them close as Jesus. But you got to learn to see it that way. I'm a little over. I hope you're okay. I don't care. Um, Y'all going to go to McDonald's and get that clucking nugget. I know. But here's the thing. Now, I got to start wrapping this up because I, I, could, I could go another two hours. But here's what I want you to understand. The most blessed day in my life was not when somebody writes us a big check because we don't care about those kind of things. We do we, whatever money's given to us, we use with all the diligence we have and focus, and we're open and honest about what we do. The best day in our life is not when, I'm, I'm fixing to be honest with you, can, can I just, I don't want to offend anybody, but the best day in my life is not when I see people get saved. I love and I'm grateful for that. The best day in my life is when Romans 8 and 1 wakes up, which says there is therefore now no condemnation. Because if I can get you out of your own mind, I can get you into his. And if I can get you into his, you can start seeing yourself his way. And if you can start seeing yourself his way, all this stuff you've been letting go, you're going to put a stop to some of this stuff. Now, April's really good when we're having one of our lovingly aggressive discussions to let me know real quick, God ain't happy with you. And me being me is like, you think I care? You know, that kind of thing. But I do. That's his daughter before she's my wife. Does that mean that everything she does is perfect? Pretty close. See, see what I did there? But see, I know that she follows me as I follow Christ. See, here's my favorite. Can I just say one more thing? I'm seven minutes over. I'm going to say it anyway. I'm just asking out of courtesy. We, we in the middle of Alabama, and this, I get this all the time. People that don't go to church here, they'll call and want to talk and, and want, want us to counsel them and all that kind of stuff. And we don't do that. We, we, we counsel our home folk, but we, we don't, we, we, we're not you know, out there advertising. Anyway, pastoral care. So they'll say, this is my favorite. You know, she's supposed to follow me. I'm the man of the house. And I just sit there, and, and I let them say it about three times. And I'll go, okay, when was the last time you prayed? Uh. When was the last time you led your family to church? Well, she won't go. Be a man. Get up and go. Well, you know, my buddies, they're, they're, be a man. Go. Well, she's, I'm still the man of the household. Don't sound like you're much of a man to me. Well, preacher, because I'm kind of stupid like that. 
Because I'll be like, you know, I'm, I'm easy to find. You know the number you called. I'm right here. I'm not scared of you, but I don't want to fight with you either. I want you to understand that God expects you to be a man his way. And what God expects from you is faithfulness. And if you're faithful to God, she will love you more daily because you stood for him. My wife tells me all the time. She, she tells me I'm hot and all my kids go, Ugh, you know. But she says, she says the most handsome you are is when you grab my hand and pray. She said, when you grab my hand and pray, I've been looking for that my whole life. Makes me want to pray more. I'll fake it. I'll be like, she thought I ha ya ha. Yeah. <laughs> I read that face. All my kids just went, where's the bags? Good grief. Give me an offering bucket. But listen, what I'm trying to say to you is what you think is attractive in this earth is nothing to God. But what he wants from you is for you to recognize who he can be in your life. You don't get saved for things. You get saved because, listen, God doesn't love you because you're lovable. Most of you aren't lovable at all. In the essence of who you are, you're not. He loves you because Jesus was lovable. And when he looks at you, he sees his son. And when he sees you wrapped in his son, he wants to give you everything he ever wanted to give to his son. See, because what we've done is we've turned church into a show and we've missed that it's a relationship, that it's faithfulness, that his earthly work is to pull us closer. Now, what I want to do is this. I want to I be able to tell you this last thing and then I'm done. Praise team, y'all come on up. If I don't get to praise team up here, I'll, preach, I'll keep preaching. <clears throat> Romans 8 and 1. I want to read it to you now. He's got it up there. I know they're moving, but y'all look at the screen. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. You understand that the original Aramaic text says this. There is therefore now no condemnation, period. All that other stuff the translators put in there because the translators wanted you to know you got to accept Jesus. But when you break it down to brass taxes, Jesus is saying, you've accepted me. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, God is not looking to remind you of your past. As a matter of fact, you're the only one keeping it alive. Or you're letting somebody keep it alive in you. But you're allowing it. There is, listen, there is, therefore, say now. Now. Right now. No condemnation. Well, you don't know what I did. I don't care. You, you don't know. I failed. That's right. You did. So did I. Preacher, you just don't get it. I don't have to. He took it. Listen. Jesus went to the cross for you as you. Whatever you're dealing with now, you've resurrected when God says, I put it on the cross with my son, and I don't see that in you. And if you cannot see that in you, your life will begin to change. People look at my, uh, people look at my past, and my, my, they'll see my driver's license. See, now, if you haven't seen my driver's license from before I was saved, it, it's, it's funny. 
And, but people will look at it and they'll go, that's not you. You're right, it's not. And then I'll have to tell them my story. And they'll say, but you, you talk like that. That's a, that doesn't even exist. It doesn't. I'm not an abuser anymore. I'm not a drug addict anymore. I'm, I'm not. I don't need to go to meetings. I don't, I don't need to stay in a perpetual cycle of recovery. I'm a new, say new. I am a new creation. The moment I accepted him, everything changed. Now, I was still ugly, but I was still pretty. Because the truth is this. Everything he put on me, in God's eyes, I was what I was designed to be from the beginning, and all the things I had put on had been washed away. Too many of you, now listen, I love you all, but I'm fixing to tell you the truth. Too many of you are saved, and I'm thankful that you're saved. But your past haunts you every day because you see yourself in the mirror and you know who you are. And God's trying to wipe all that away and tell you it's over. The minute that you accepted me, you became a new creation. New. I said new. So if you go buy a new car, now listen, you go buy a new car and you go to fill it up with gas and you look in the back seat and there's a half-eaten cheeseburger back there, that ain't new. What y'all gonna do? You taking it back. Why? Because you paid for new. Give him what he paid for. Give him what he paid for. You're brand new. You're brand new.